0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Before we get going tonight, just some things that have been on my heart. I, I, even in my own life, guys, I've been I've been in some battles. You know, sometimes you just get war out in life, and sometimes there's things that begin to happen that literally suck the life out of you. And so what happens with each one of us when that happens We roll over, we try to ignore it, or we try to do nothing, or we learn to start rising up with the things of God. And to rise up with the things of God, guys, mostly is how I learned to pray. How you learned to pray. How you learned to combat the things in the spirit realm. And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, there's times in your life, you've got to get vicious. Vicious. Uh, Matthew 11, it says that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent, they take it by force. You know what that means? There's times in your prayer life, you've got to rise up. Now, I don't need a show of hands. How many of you are in great battles? I guarantee there's a lot of us in here. Some of you say, Pastor, I've got about a half a nostril out of water. I'm about to sink. Start praying. Start praying. You've got to start praying, guys. Prayer is not punishment, guys. Prayer is a privilege. And man, we can go in there. And so listen, I believe right now this is a season to really, really pray. Really begin to seek God, okay? Is that what you're talking about? No, that was free. I really sense there's some of you guys like that. I'm telling you, even in my own life, whoo, I've gone after it this week. I mean, I have prayed, and man, I've just got the eye of the tiger right now, so... Get a hold of that. Go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Now, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to start on a little series, uh, and we just entitled it The World. The World. Now, the world, when we talk about it, is a point of collision between heaven and hell. It's a point of collision between light and, light, light and darkness. Now, the, the world is, is made up of the material things, the foundation. The world is what made up of humans, people, uh, the inhabitants, and the world is made up of the things, the goods of this earth. Now, each of these contribute to the makeup of the world, but there's apparent, guys, it's very apparent to me, that there's something more behind just the things of this world. There, there's a mind behind the matter. There's a driving force behind this thing called the world and a lot of times the things of our world can appear innocent, harmless, but you got to understand there's some things that happen. Now in Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read just a couple verses, and I'm going to go fast and bounce. Just where I want you to see the word earth. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, two, And the earth was without form and void of darkness. The, the, the earth. I want to point that out, and I'm going to go some there, Go with it here in just a second. Verse 10, and God called the dry land earth. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. So he starts talking about the earth, and he keeps on in first, uh, Genesis 1, verse 26, 27, and 8. He said, then God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them, man, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle of the sea, Over all the earth. Verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, this is what God spoke to creation. And from the time that God created the earth until the fall of man, it was referred to as the earth. After the fall of man, and I'm talking about Adam and Eve... The earth then, all through the New Testament especially, you'll see, is now called the world. The world. When Jesus died on the cross and he rose, when you read through the New Testament, and I encourage you, when you're reading your Bible in the New Testament, look how many times you'll see this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So... It went from the earth to the world, and ultimately, guys, it's going to be the kingdom of Jesus. Hallelujah, and that's going to be a great day. But guess what? We're not there yet. So look with me in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, I just want to put that out there to start so you kind of get an idea where we're going. Now, when we start talking about this, guys, since the fall of man, the world order has shown itself to be hostile toward God. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you haven't figured this out, the trend of this world is away from God. It's away from God, guys, and it's been that way since Adam deceived Eve. Now, we're going to look at the book of John, and I'm going to start in John chapter 12. And what I want you to see here, guys, that John himself, in the book or the gospel of John right here, I believe he referenced the word world 78 times alone in the book of of John. 78. You go through there and start marking them. That's how significant this is. Now I want to give you a little description of what our world or who our world is ruled by. John 12, verse number 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out. There's a judgment that has been placed on this world because of this fallen being named Lucifer, Satan, the devil. That's who this is talking about right here. And I want you to know, guys, what it says the ruler of this world. Okay? Look over a couple pages to John 14. Verse 30, and I just picked a couple of these out to give you an insight kind of on this. John 14, verse 30. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. The ruler now, this was Jesus' word, guys. Now I want to highlight something there. Jesus himself said that the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. So this tells me right here that the things that the devil operates with on this world, they're nothing with Jesus, okay? Don't look at this and think, well, this stuff is happening in our world, and so it's got to be Jesus. How many of you have ever heard that? Man, stuff, why people blame God for catastrophes, that was an act of God. No, it wasn't. He's not the ruler of this world, okay? Keep reading with me on in in uh, John 16 verse 11. And it says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So since the fall of man guys, since the fall of man, the the the, the world has been dominated by the devil, the rebellious ruler of this world. And there's an ordained system that is governed behind the scenes in what we call the spirit realm by the devil, okay? How do you know that, Pastor? Well, let me give you some scripture that will help you. Ephesians 6.12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Every bit of what I just said, in a nutshell, is when God booted Lucifer out of the heaven, a third of the angels went with him. You know where those third of the angels reside at right now? Right here in this world. And so, guess what their job is? Is to cause havoc upon every one of us that they can. Another one of the the references scriptures is 2 Corinthians 4 4. It specifically says the God of this age or the God of this world has blinded their eyes. The devil will try to blind every one of our eyes to the truth, to the gospel, to the kingdom. Now guys, for 20 years of my life, that's how I was. I walked in darkness, I walked in sin. You know what? You didn't have to tell me I was a sinner. I knew I was a sinner. I knew the things I was doing wasn't right. Now this may locate some of you. In my own life, I begin to to realize there's got to be more to life than what I'm doing. And I really was convinced that if I didn't have something big in me that changed me, that changed my heart, I would either spend the rest of my life in prison, or I was going to be dead soon. I knew that, guys. And so this is part of of what I'm talking about here. There's darkness, there's an unseen power on the things of this world. And many times, these unseen powers, they seem very innocent. But these little bitty things are sent to deceive me. Now, let me give you just a little bit of an illustration for that. What was the thing that caused Eve to fall? It's a piece of fruit. I don't know what kind, I'm not going to lose salvation over that either, okay? I don't know if it's a banana, an apple, a pear, but the Bible's very clear that it was some form of fruit. Does that piece of fruit, does that seem innocent? It does. But behind that innocent piece of fruit, there was an agenda. And that's the same right now with the devil. There's a lot of things in our world that seem very innocent, but they are deceptive. Now, go back to the back of your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. As you're turning there... Let me, let me give you a little insight of kind of about the devil. And I hate to give him publicity. I hate to talk about him. But in Genesis 3, verse 1, it talks about that the devil, Lucifer, was more cunning than any other of the angelic beings that God created. Now, when I see the word cunning, I thought, what does that mean? The word cunning means that he was more crafty. One word means that he was more subtle. Now when you think about the things of of the devil, the things of the world, if he came in and just blasted us with things, we would all look and say, man, that's not right, that's not right. But he does stuff gently, gently, gently. Subtle, subtle, subtle. Let me give you an illustration that may help you about that. They say that if you started warming some hot water and made it really lukewarm and you threw a bullfrog in there, it would be okay. it would say, hey, this isn't bad. And you just gradually start turning the heat up. See, that's exactly what the devil does. He deceives us in little, little bitty areas and then just gradually starts turning up the heat. Now, Look in 1 John chapter 2, begin with me in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Isn't that an interesting statement? Do not love the world or the things of this world. One of the first cross-references of that verse right there is Romans 12. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be mold don't let this world mold you. Don't let this world shape you, okay? How does the world try to mold us and shape us right now? You just think about all the ways. Man, I, I become very selfish. It, it becomes me, 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 me. And so this is some of the ways, but right here he begins to warn us do not love the world. Now Satan try to utilize as every one of us by the material things of this world. Other people of this world? And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, you can gain the whole world but lose your soul. Is that possible? Absolutely it's possible. What does that mean you can gain the whole world? You can gain everything that the world has to offer. Uh, Fame, fortune, recognition, titles. And he said you can lose your soul. So when I read that right there, guess what it says to me? I can either win the award or the, the 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 prize from mankind, or I can be really popular in heaven. It's a choice. So he goes on to say this. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the world, guys, when I read this, the world is searching us out. And many times when I touch the things of the world, I have to ask myself this question. Right here. How does it affect my relationship with God? There may be things that you may touch that don't affect your relationship, or maybe they do. Now let me give you some things that seem very innocent, but there's a force or a power behind them. Music. Music movies, and even art. Now, here's the question I have to ask myself. Is the music I'm listening to, does that affect my relationship with God? Does it draw me closer to God? Do the movies I watch, do the art I watch. And man, some of you are hitting the brakes right now. Those are things in my life I have to ask myself. I'm going to tell you guys, you may look and you may say and you may think music innocent. I'm going to tell you, it's not. It's not. There's stuff behind that junk, and you listen to that stuff, some of that garbage, and you know what I'm talking about? It'll mess you up. So, pastor, are you telling us we shouldn't listen to rap music? I listen to rap music every time I run. A guy named Lecrae, a Christian rapper. And so, you know what? One of his lyrics say, I've gone solar. I've gone in the power of the sun. You know, and so I'm going to I'm gonna listen to the things of God. I'm not going to fill my mind and my heart with junk. And a lot of people would say, that's innocent. What did he just tell us right here? He said, do not love the world or the things of the world, okay? And so when I look at all this, and I have to, to think about this, if the devil could use something as small and innocent as food to deceive Eve, Do you not think he's trying to use these other things to deceive me and you? He is. Now he gives us an insight here very next, guys, of what he's talking about. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh. What would be the lust of the flesh? It would be sensual gratification. Now the lust of the flesh for every one of us could look different. Some of us, the lust of the flesh is I'm dominated by food. Some of you say, so are you saying we shouldn't eat food? That's not what I'm saying. I am saying, though, am I dominated by that? Is the lust of my flesh, I've I've got to have this, I've got to have that. I got. See, in my own life, guys, I was dominated with the lust of my flesh called alcohol. Uh-oh. But see, this is what he's talking about. I can be dominated by those things. And let me take you back to a little bit, just real quick, a little history of my life. At the age of 12, I would have never thought that that first drink of alcohol that I had would have led to where it did. So guess what he did? He put something as innocent as a drink of alcohol in front of me, and very suddenly, I began to get dominated by dominated dominated. And before long, it controlled me. Okay? This is what he's talking about. The lust of the flesh. The second one, read with me, is the lust of the eyes. What would the lust of the eyes be? It would be greed. When I begin to look at things and say, i got to have it. 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 i got to have a new car. i got to have a new... I mean, it's very easy to go in Walmart. And you know what? You may have five TVs in your house. And you may look and say, man, I'd sure like that new flat screen like there. Got to have it. And before long, it becomes the pool. It becomes, is having a TV No, it's not. But I better understand these things that if they look innocent. And the last one that he talks about is the pride of life. Now, the pride of life is a thing that one assumes that our own resources become our stability. You know what the pride of life says? I don't need God. I got money. I don't don't need God. I got a great job. Don't kid yourself. And so when you begin to look at everything he's saying, I got to get a hold of this now. Same verse, look how he ends. All this is not of the Father but is of the world. All this is not of the Father, but it's of the world. So here's another question i got to ask myself. It's not so much is this good or evil. It's not so much is this helpful or hurtful, but you know what it comes down to? Is this of God, or of this of the world? Is this leading me closer to God, or is it leading me closer to the world? And you know what? I'll have people say, man, I'm going to tell you, you you must live a boring life. No. I want you to see the truth right here, okay? Verse number 17. And the world is passing away. I'm going to tell you guys, this thing called the world, it's not going to be around forever. It's not going to be around forever, okay? I mean, many times in our life, we have this thought. I'm invincible. Life is always going to go on. It's not. And he clarifies that And he said, this world's passing away, okay? It's going to be gone someday. And the lust of it is passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who carries out the Father's purpose in his life is going to abide forever. So what you begin to see right here with what uh, John speaks on, the devil so gently begins to pull us, begins to pull us. How many of you have ever been in the ocean? Most of us have. You can go out in the ocean, and you can stand there. And when I get in the ocean, I usually mark a place, a, a reference point, whether it's a lifeguard stand or something. And so you can say, I'm at lifeguard stand number seven. And guess what? Without hardly any effort at all, before long, there's a pull on me called the current, called the tide. And I can stand there and try to resist it, and sometimes it's very gradual. Sometimes you get in a thing called a rip current, and before long, you're ten places down, and you look and think, How did I get down there? That's exactly how the devil works. It's exactly how he works. Turn a couple pages, 1 John 5. I want you to see this. You know, it's it's interesting to me in the Bible how many times Jesus instructs me and you to watch and pray. Watch and pray. That's what he told his disciples. Watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. I believe this is what he's talking about. Watch and pray. Look at the things that are involved in your life. Look what's happening around you. Watch and learn to pray. First John 5, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Now, Jesus knew every one of us in this room were going to sin. Before we got saved, we're going to sin. And after you get saved, you're going to sin. So, when you look at what he's telling us here, it's more about having... Uh, unrepentance in us that's why it's critical for each one of us to learn to repent of our sins that's the thing where we get forgiveness that's where jesus says man i'll forgive and cleanse you and so it's very important guys that i learn to repent of my sin you know what repentance is it's it's taking responsibility for my actions and my choices how do i do that i stand before father god and i say father god i'm i'm so sorry today for my stinking it, I'm so sorry today, Father God, that I lied. I'm so sorry, Father God, that I stole that pencil. I'm so, so Whatever it is, I own up and I take responsibility. Repentance isn't saying, Father God, I ask you to forgive me for what Jason caused me to do. Listen, guys, that's bailing out on it, okay? Keep reading with me. 1 John 5, 18. But he who has been born of God keeps... Or he guards himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. How that happened, guys, right there is when I learn to repent and I don't deliberately sin. When I don't purpose in my heart, I'm going to sin. Now, one of the definitions of repentance, it means to do a 180. Repentance isn't just confessing your sin. Repentance is doing a one, it's turning from it and saying. Father God, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm tired of doing it. I know it's it's causing issues. So Lord, I ask you to to forgive me, but I also ask you to help me. I ask you to grace me. And what happens, Pastor, if I do it again tomorrow? You get back up and you repent and say, Father God, help me. Help me. You know, just because I have Pastor over my name, guys, doesn't mean I don't sin, okay? I'm far from perfect. I mean, there's things I've done in my life that I've done repeatedly. But one thing I have learned to do, man, I repent. I repent, and I'll say this to you again. If I'm not an example to you by the way I live, I'll be an example to you by the way I repent, because I repent a lot. Some of you need to get a hold of that, okay? That's what's keeping issues in your life. You will not repent. You will not forgive. You know what, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, said this. They said, "Miss Graham, what's the, the key to you and Billy's success in marriage? And she said, a successful marriage is the result of two great forgivers. And you know what I did when I heard that? I ducked. I said, oh, golly, I don't want to hear that. It's a result of two great forgivers, okay? It's two people that are imperfect that are saying... I realize you're imperfect, and you realize I am, okay? Verse 19. We know that we are God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one or the evil one. Now, I looked at all the translations I could find on that word sway, and it says the whole world lies under the power, the control, the influence, or the grip of who? Who? The evil one. So don't think, guys, that that he doesn't have a stake here. And a lot of times, I believe as human beings, we think the only time the devil opposes us is with sin. That's not true, guys. What did he just say? The whole world lies under the sway of the enemy, the evil one. So you know what this says to me? He'll use anything He can on this earth because He's the God of this world. He'll use anything He can to try to get at you and me. He'll try to to, to entice us with the things of the world. And what is it to, to do? His ultimate goal is to ultimately squeeze the things of God out of every one of our lives. Do we see that happen? Absolutely. Look at the United States of America. You just think what's happened in our nations over the last 40 years, 50 years. How many of you grew up and the Ten Commandments were in the classroom? It'll locate a lot of us. And you know what those Ten Commandments said? Thou shall not lie, thou shall not kill, thou shall not... So guess what? There was some guidelines, but guess what we did? We decided, because we're so stinking smart as human beings, let's kick God out of our schools. You can go back and look, and from the time we kicked God out of our schools, how sin just took off. Then we got real smart, and we said, let's kick God out of our federal courthouses. And right now in America, we got some yahoos that are wanting to change the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's get God out of there. And so it's been real subtle. Squeeze God out. Let's squeeze God out. Oh, God forbid at a high school football game that we pray in the name of Jesus. And guess what happens? We say now, let's have a moment of silence. (laughs) On silence. Sorry. Kind of. You see what I'm talking about? This is the sway of the world. And so guess what? Us well, Christians, we sit back and just sing kumbaya. Let's scratch each other's back. and Oh, what a great time it's going to be in heaven, but I'm not in heaven yet. And so this is the sway of the world. Oh, Lord, and my time is slipping. Keep going here with me. I'm going to try to get to a stopping point. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him. Not that we may be acquainted with Him, but we may know Him. Now listen to this. Who is true. And we are in Him who is true. And His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and the eternal life. Now here's where the place we got to get as Believers. He's the only true thing, okay? Nothing else is true. Heaven and earth's going to pass away. That is the thing that's going to remain forever, Jesus. And I'm not telling you guys, I'm falling in love with a person as far as Abraham, Isaac. I fall in love with him. But I understand, he is my basis of life. I've got to live by the Word of God in every arena, okay? Keep reading, oh, keep reading. Verse 21. Little children... Keep yourselves from idols. Now, what would that be? Other gods, objects, or even other types of pursuits. Now, the Amplified said this, anything that becomes a substitute for God, anything that would occupy God's place in your heart, Man, that, that, that is a wide spectrum right there. Anything that would occupy your heart other than God. Now, this is going to hurt. There's, there's a sanctuary in America that every Saturday and Sunday, literally hundreds of thousands of people will show up to. Called football stadiums. Pastor, are you preaching football? No, I love football. But I'm going to tell you right now, when that starts occupying your heart instead of God, when you start saying, you know what, I'm going to stay home and watch the cowgirls play before I go to church. And I don't mean uh, the cowboys, but... but you see? You see, these things, guys, they become idols. See, a lot of times when we think about idols, we, we think about a, a thing. You know, how we sit there. I'm going to tell you guys, when you look at people, people are crazy about football. Why would happen if we'd be that crazy about God? And I'll tell you, if you ever watch a football, my wife, when I watch football on Saturday, and all of you that come here very long, I was born in Oklahoma, okay? I'm a Sooner. I love the Sooner. She leaves the house. It gets intense. And I'll tell you right now, I'll never cheer for the sinners louder than I will for God. And I'm going to tell you on Sunday morning, I'm going to come and I'm going to praise God. And I believe this is what He's telling us. And I, You know what? I didn't even get close where I needed to be. But you know what? I think we're getting a general idea here, guys. I've got to be aware of things. Be aware of what your kids are listening to. Be aware of what your kids are watching I mean, it amazes me right now. All the stuff that can be on the internet and parents think, well, it's harmless. Duh. I'm going to tell you, he's fishing, the devil is, and he's throwing out bait. And he said, I'm going to reel him in. I'm going to reel that little 13-year-old in. Man, he's never seen stuff like that on a woman. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.